What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Just a heads up, dear friends, we have a content warning for this episode. We do talk about a movie that takes place in Nazi Germany. So anything to do with Nazis and violence and abuse and anti-Semitism, that's going to be in this podcast. So just as a content warning, thank you so much and enjoy. there. Welcome to You Love to See It, Fanbyte's movie review podcast. Every month, we pick a theme, every week we watch a movie, and then we decide where it belongs in our delightful neighborhood video store. If it's collected enough Nazi scalps to earn its place in our esteemed Steph Big Shelf, if it's got its balls shot off, but also shot off some Nazi balls in the process and therefore <laughs> earns a place in our totally fine middle aisle, or if it deserves to get beaten with a stick and sent straight into our dreaded dumpster where every moment feels like being asked by a random guy at a sports bar for your thoughts on Will Smith punching Chris Rock at the Oscars. <laughs> Working the counter today, we have yours truly, Fernanda That's Sabingo Prates, my usual <laughs> partner in righteous arson, Danielle, single broken shoe, Riondo. Hi, Danielle. How are you doing? <laughs> I am doing great, and I'm very excited about this episode. I'm very excited, too, for several reasons. For the movie we're discussing, for... Just the fact that we're here together talking about movies, which is one of my favorite things. And yeah. also about our very, very special guest, <laughs> whom our listeners don't technically know, but also kind of know, because I mention him on literally every single episode. Friend of the show, enemy of the music of the Black Eyed Peas, my dear husband, Rodrigo. Can you help me pronounce your name? Corlami. Can you can you say it again? Corlami. No, with a little more emotion. Corlami. Rodrigo. <laughs> Corlami. Del Campo. Del Campo, if I'm saying Del it. Del Campo. Rodrigo Del Campo. Del Campo. Yeah, I, I said it. So I it's always weird to me as a Brazilian married to a Mexican to say your name in a very American way. I also say your name in Spanish here, not in Portuguese. So, so there is that. We'll no, it out. thank you, thank you for having me. Very excited to be in my favorite now favorite podcast because Best Camp is gone, but like yeah. my favorite podcast. So thank you, Danielle. Aww. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for now. <laughs> Thank you, Thank you for, for being uh, here. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm honestly so excited because this is our first meeting. I know that Fernanda obviously is excited because obviously, and, and it, since it's crush month, you know, I, I imagine <laughs> yeah, you're her number one crush. So that's pretty cool to have your number one crush <laughs> on the podcast. But also I'm just like, 
I have loved the shows that you've appeared on. I have loved the bonus pods. I have loved like the Mortal Kombat review. That was one of my all time favorite things I've ever like listened to. So I'm just, you know, I'm very excited that you're here. I appreciate it. It's all hair. (laughs) The the episodes are hair. And I'm the one who's excited because I'm the one with who's with my crush here. Oh, it's <laughs> true. And you get to have your revenge because I get to talk about like my uh, thirst for several characters on several episodes. And now you get to be here and I get to sit through you talking about your crush thankfully, for an hour a, and a half. Thankfully, it's not a Tom Hardy episode. It, thankfully, yeah. Uh, I feel like that's better for all parties involved. Though I did look for, we talked about this on our last episode, yep. uh, looked for a Tom Hardy character and you helped me try to look for one don't you yeah. act all innocent no no we did like no rodrigo was like sitting next to me like uh tom hardy like he was trying to help me figure out my crush and he was very supportive oh, of that. only lovers left alive That's so, so beautiful yeah. <laughs> today we're actually talking about rodrigo's crush like i said uh but before we get into it let's remind our listeners of what we're doing here this month, which is celebrating the floweriest of seasons by opening up our frosty, shriveled hearts to you, our dear listener. Each week, one of us will pick a movie that captivated us, not due to its rich plots or lush cinematography, but rather due to its display of one or more crush-worthy characters. (laughs) Is it love Is it lust? Is it just raging hormones and a tall dude with a beard? Join (laughs) us for Spring Fling Month and find out. And this week, we are feasting in some gloriously justified violence with 2009's Inglorious Bastards. Ten hot eyes forward! My name is Lieutenant Aldo Ray. And I need me eight soldiers. We're gonna be dropped into France, dressed as civilians. We're gonna be doing one thing, one thing only. Killing Nazis. Yes, sir! Members of the National Socialist Party conquered Europe through murder, torture, intimidation, and terror. And that's exactly what we're gonna do to them. We will be cruel to the German. And through our cruelty, they will know who we are. They will find the evidence of our cruelty in the disemboweled, dismembered, and disfigured bodies their brothers we leave behind us. And the German will not be able to help themselves from imagining the cruelty their brothers endured at our hands, and our boot heels, and the edge of our knives. And the German will be sickened by us. The German will talk about us. And the German will fear us. Nazi ain't got no humanity. They need to be destroyed. Each and every man under my command owes me 100 Nazi scalps. And I want my scalps. Nine, 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 nine. Sound good? Yes, sir. With that, we welcome you to our very first segment of the show called Setting the Scene, in which we introduce the movie at hand and have a little spoiler-free chat about our personal history with it. But first, before I get to my wonderful co-host and guest, to those unfamiliar with the story of Inglorious Bastards, <laughs> here's a brief summary 
that I wrote. So please think it's great. Um, starring <laughs> Red Pitt as the leader of a Nazi hunting squad, Melanie Lohan as a Jewish survivor out for revenge, and Christoph Waltz as a revolting sack of steaming shit, Inglorious Bastards <laughs> is a Tarantino movie that looks and feels exactly like a Tarantino movie, like pretty much every Tarantino movie does. There is blood, there is violence, there are beautiful women engaging in graphic badassery, but most importantly, there are Nazis being fucked up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's pretty much all you need to know. That's two hours and a half of pretty much just that. And honestly, we can really ask for much else, but we'll get into it. <laughs> First, I'll start asking our guest because he's the one who picked uh, this movie. He's the one who's, whose crush is in it. Though I would I would venture a guess that the crush is very unanimous uh, across the board here <laughs> oh, between yeah. the three of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do know, I happen to know that our guest has a, a, an affection for Quentin Tarantino and a bit of a history with this movie. So we'll start off with you, babe. What What is your... What is your background with Inglorious Bastards? I remember seeing it. It's, uh, it's weird because it's a very good memory because the only movie I've seen in a theater alone with my older brother. Okay. The only one, literally. Mm. He's uh, three years older than me. Uh, I was in Tijuana visit him and my then girlfriend at the time was like, oh, let's not watch it and we'll watch it together then. And then she ended up watching it with her parents. Mm -hmm. Told me, I was like, oh, my brother wanted to see it, right? Because like her, his wife didn't want it. It's like, oh, let's just go watch it. It was like legit like Sunday, 11 a.m. or something. And it was very fun. Like, we loved the movie. We cackled throughout the movie. Uh, <laughs> Melanie Lawrence uh, character immediately, Shoshana immediately. Like, like I, I loved her. I loved the acting. I loved the character. Obviously, like, how could you not fall in love with, like, a woman who goes through this and ends up facing it and is a... Plus, <laughs> this is supposed to be a spoiler free thing, but honestly, if you don't know the ending of the world is best at this point, I can't Sorry. hurt you. Right. Right. So <laughs> just in love, yeah. and she's uh, an amazing actress, and we'll discuss it like throughout the film. She's just she has like she doesn't have the leeway of other actors in like what she can do. Like Brad Pitt and Christoph Waltz can go to town. She can't. She has to like yeah. keep it very muted. And so it's a very thing. And with Tarantino, like I'm I think I'm the eldest here. Uh, I was 14 when Pulp Fiction came out. Like, I couldn't see it in the theaters, but, like, I remember when, like, everything came out and everything, everyone went nuts uh, over Tarantino. Mm -hmm. And then the discussions, right? Like, is it a tribute? Is he ripping off stuff? Whatever, right? But, like, a bunch of things informed my taste out around there. Like, at 14, 15, it was... Yeah. Tarantino, like, did allow me to, like, get into a bunch of stuff, like Spaghetti okay. Westerns, exploitation movies, black exploitation movies, even, mm -hmm. like, Motown music, everything right like i was the one with like as a sponge like oh he got this from leone i'm gonna watch the leone films uh this is uh motown music i'm gonna get into motown music mm. like i tried everything right it was mm. that it was a cable tv in mexico and we've talked about it, you and me it was mm -hmm. uh channels from the u.s yeah. and we had the usa network mm -hmm. which rest in peace gilbert Gottfried. we had uh up all night oh right on the weekends yeah. which yeah. just show like films that blew my mind like B-movies exploitation movies horror movies bunch of them are still my favorites like I remember I saw Return of the Living Dead there first mm -hmm. still one of my favorite movies nice. and at almost the same time my brother got a a Pennywise and a Bad Religion CD 
So like those three <laughs> things happen like a year and a half. Okay. And that's me. So that's and thus Rodrigo was born. Thus and I, I can attest born. to that because it really is the the triad that supports your That was like the triangle that came out from those sages. So <laughs> of course there's like a bunch of stuff we can discuss about Tarantino, yeah. but like that's like what informed like my taste for everything. You see me, I watch crappy movies and I watch very snotty, pretentious movies. I, I watch the gamut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he does yeah. run the gamut. Like, he'll sit with me through, like, the holiday and then, like, pick something on, like, movie that just, I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I don't even, like, it's just three hours of nothingness. It is. It, you are a versatile man. I can't attest to that. Uh, what about you, Danny? I know you have you actually have a short history with Inglorious Best. The shortest. Right? Uh, tell us a yeah. little bit about it. Yeah, mine's so short because it only started, you know, three days ago. <laughs> I had just, I for some reason, I had just never seen it. I had heard of it. I knew about it. I knew a lot of the things about it, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not, I'm also like not the biggest Quentin Tarantino fan, but I certainly have favorites of his, you know, I, I yeah. actually really, um, I really love Death Proof. Like I liked a lot of the weird things happening. And like Rodrigo, I have, sorry, I know that's the very American way of saying it. I, oh, I apologize. No, uh, say um, however I you want to say. I, I'm married <laughs> I'm to this man and I switch it three times a day. Like <laughs> I'm we don't. Sorry. I can I can do it differently. You just tell me. I mean, I, I don't <laughs> no, dictate no, no, this. No, no, you no. tell me. Like, <laughs> um, I've been yeah, living like, here for two years and I still cannot roll my R's. Like this is not a thing where we're <laughs> judging you on. I mean, like you know, I I grew up learning Italian, not Spanish or Portuguese. Gorlami. So, you know, Gorlami hurt my soul, but also made me laugh a lot. You know, it was one of those. It's like very funny. Gorlami is very, very good. Um, yeah, I, I also have very, very eclectic taste in movies. So I really yeah. appreciate a lot of the sort of stuff that's happening in a lot of his movies, even if I think he's kind of a jerk. But, you know, <laughs> right? Yes. We, we pick and choose when it comes to Hollywood directors. And if you're a film lover, you know, you, you pick and choose and you do what you can to, to find things that you like. So, yeah, I'm so excited to talk about this because it really it was my first time watching it, like in the year of our Lord, 2022. And man. What an experience! Very good experience. I want to be clear. Very good experience. But I've got a lot. I've got a lot of stuff to work through today, and I'm I'm excited to do it. Oh, me too. I mean, I uh, <laughs> I'll keep it brief. Like I had seen it when it first came out in the movies, but I think it was because of the the age I was at and the people I was hanging mm. out with, and like uh, it just became like it's if everybody in my friend group, especially guys just quoted it so much (laughs) that it kind of started irking me. And I feel like I've had the whole Tarantino arc of like personal uh, thoughts on his, on him (laughs) particularly, of course, but also the movies that were like, when I was in my sort of like pick me girl, I'm not a regular girl. I'm a cool girl phase. I was like, Tarantino is awesome. And so much blood and guns. I love blood and guts because I'm very (laughs) cool. I'm like the guys. And then it's like, after that, I went through the, oh, Tarantino is like for, you know, it's jerk off movies for guys who want to seem smarter than they are. Uh, <laughs> and I think that like Inglorious Bastards hit me right at that time of my, I think now I'm kind of at this stage where I'm like, meh. 
<laughs> like, sure, I get sure. it. Yeah. I get it. I get some. I like some things. I don't like other things. I get it. I have my criticisms, but, uh, but yeah. So I, I remember like enjoying it, but being like irked by sort of some of the longest sequences. I thought that it all felt very pretentious and gimmicky, and I kind of still do, but in a good way now. I sure. kind of feel like yeah. it, it matches everything else. I don't feel like it's a problem anymore. Um, and then I watched it for the second time now for this because uh, Rodrigo actually gave us a list and we kind of picked from it. Um, yeah. And you, I was very surprised when you said you hadn't watched it. So I, too. I too, <laughs> I too have feelings, Danielle, <laughs> that I, I was reading your notes and reading Rodrigo's notes and I was like, I'm excited because I feel like we have a lot to unpack. And unpacking is just exactly what we're about to do because we are about to enter our second segment of the show, which as you, our faithful listeners already know, does contain spoilers. We're about to get into the uh, specific aspects of the plot, the nitty gritty of the whole thing. So uh, if you haven't watched the movie, maybe watch it first or not. Just listen to us. We're cool. Watch it later. Like whatever. Who cares? The, wor- the world is uh, a rotten prison. So uh, yeah, <laughs> we're about to... <laughs> Just prepare yourself, because there will be spoilers as we enter our second segment called Stripping It Down. So here we are at Stripping It Down, ready to get into... Get it to, to get into the juicy stuff, the juicy stuff. And I feel like we have a lot of thoughts and feelings. It's hard not to uh, with this movie, uh, like it is with a lot of, uh, of Tarantino stuff. Uh, but I do want to start just uh, following the theme of the month. Uh, as a reminder, we're doing Spring Fling Month, which means we are all picking our movie crushers, not not actors, uh, characters that we have a crush on. And uh, in this particular movie, Rodrigo's pick is um, was was uh, stemmed from his love of Shoshana, played by Melanie Lohan, who is a survivor who whose whole family gets killed by the Nazis in France. She alone escapes, becomes a movie theater owner, and has a golden opportunity to not only get revenge on her uh, family, but also rid the world of a whole lot of evil and pain. Uh, So I feel like that pretty much explains itself. But (laughs) (laughs) why, why was she your crush, babe? Tell me about Shoshana and your fascination for her. I mean, I have to admit, first, like, it's physical. She's uh, Melanie Logan, so just a beautiful person, right? She's She's gorgeous in a very... uh, She is gorgeous. Everybody's gorgeous. (laughs) Everybody's beautiful. There's no way to be pretty, but yeah, she's very... Absolutely. Pretty in a conventional way. But it is a character, right? Like, as Danielle said, because she's, like, absolutely right. Tarantino's a fucking jerk. And there's... (laughs) uh, We've, like, kind (laughs) of saw it and know it throughout the years. And then, like... The revelations of Yuma Thurman in the last few years. And then Diane Kruger also said that uh, now that we can talk about spoilers, that scene she has with Hans Landa, it's Tarantino's hands, right? And apparently he went a little yeah. bit overboard because apparently that's his thing. That's his thing. Uh, so he's like run the gamut through like uh, female characters, right? Uh, over the years, I as Danielle love Death Proof 2. 
Yeah. Uh, although there's like a bunch of problematic stuff there too. Yes. And oh, yes. I think <laughs> honestly, in her whole like woman female hero, uh, he's done through some movies. Shoshana to me is like the the best because it obviously it's not real and it's obviously Tarantino and it goes places as always. Yeah. Uh, she's like the most grounded, the one who has like the most difficult task. Uh, is, I, I just like admire the character. Like she ran away. She could have hid. She could have like gone into the wilderness and waited out, see what happens with the war. And like, no, she just like decides to be in Paris, decides to hide in the wolf's mouth and then presented with the opportunity that this very dumb, very unself-aware insult boy <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, he was an actual, like, uh, killer, right? Presents yeah. her with, she's like, you know what? I'm going to take this. I'm going to end yeah. this. And then you had, like, that scene with the red dress and David Bowie playing in the background. Yeah, that, that's horrible like, catnip. That's yeah. just everything, right? Like, Cat beautiful catnip, shot, you know, beautiful right dress, there. beautiful lady, David Bowie. Like, that's catnip for me. I'm, I'm done. You got me. It was, yeah. When you said it, I was like, of course. But again, that's, I'm pretty sure it's unanimous. It's across the board. Oh, oh uh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I I really appreciated her from, you know, the actress, of course, from the acting in it, scene that you you definitely put it on your notes with the, the strudel scene, which is another truly yeah. terrifying scene. There's a lot of, this movie really does balance like wackiness and camp and over the top, like pulpy revenge fantasy with like, genuine terror like so so well and I was there with her you know in that scene but then the red dress and the getting ready to fucking blow up a bunch of Nazis to cat people was like oh I'm in love too oh I'm in love I already liked her now I'm in love like a hundred percent and one thing that uh Rodrigo put on his notes that I personally also thought that was very like specific to Mel Melanie Lohan's acting here. And uh, it also took, because uh, that's the thing, Brad Pitt's character is supposed to be very, played very campy, right? He's the yeah. comic relief, like all of the ha-ha scenes uh, or most of them, he, he really is at the center. While Christoph Waltz, who, by the way, I don't remember playing anything other than a villain ever. Right? And yeah. <laughs> right, do you? <laughs> <laughs> like bless him because he's so good at it <laughs> but like <laughs> he's a terrifying man because he transmits totally. like yeah calm he's such a calm evil person and like um, politeness and friendliness <laughs> and all of the things that are supposed to be very disarming and then like brutal absolutely brutal evil 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 and also like evil and opportunistic like just the mix of things happening here is just the most terrifying person who's ever existed i know he exactly. didn't actually exist but in the in the movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that person probably exists right yeah, not exactly. exactly in those terms but and yeah. that to me um i know i'm digressing from melanie and we'll we'll circle back but like one thing that um i was very struck by this villain and this particular brand of, of villainy is that like, to me, it's scarier to have an evil character who is not deranged, who is not yeah. working across his own like warped views of the world, right? This is a person who is extremely opportunistic and who is doing things merely in a way to 
fulfill his own needs, like, right, his own agenda. And who can kind of, like, extricate himself uh, in a way, probably. I don't know. We don't go that deep. But who probably, who, he doesn't seem very uh, burdened by the guilt of his actions. <laughs> Yeah. Because, like, he's not acting ideologically, right? He seems like the kind of guy who'd go and say, I'm not a Nazi. I don't have anything against Jewish people or anything. I'm just, like, doing what I'm told. And that's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Because he's very good at that. He's just... And, and that part required a lot of just restraint and grace. And just to be able to, to emote in a very, um, you know, under the top. I don't know. Yeah, right. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if Brad Pitt is over the top, he had to be under the top way. <laughs> and that was uh, masterful. But Ma- Melanie also had to do that, right? In the different uh, sort of end of that spectrum, because obviously she's the she's a good girl. But I was, uh, when we were watching it, I was telling her, she barely has any lines in the movie. She doesn't really talk a lot. No, what I was putting in the notes uh, was that, right? Like, as an actor, like, just seeing her work as an actor. Like, as you said, like, uh, Brad Pitt is a comic relief. And then the, the part that Christoph Waltz plays and plays Magnificent is just difficult to play, but you have, like, a big feel, right, to go. Yeah. Like, you can mm. be polite, you can be calm, you can be angry, you can be aggressive. Like, there's a, a whole thing, a whole range you can go through. And I think it works very well because of the 20-minute intrusion, right? Like... You know yeah. what he's capable of, like scheming mm-hmm. the politeness that Danielle uh, mentions. Just mm-hmm. like he disarms you and he just introduces very logical arguments about what you can do and why you should throw the family you're heading under the floorboards under the bus and tell them where they are, right? Uh, and the Shoshana, by hiding between the Germans, she, I mean, obviously she has this very strong facet of like not taking shit from anyone, just very politely telling them to fuck off, like uh, as many turns as she can. But she can't really react, right? Like she can't really do stuff. And it's just, as an actor, it's just like very difficult to like just project everything Melanie Lorem projects with just her face. Because like, it's not only she doesn't have like a bunch of lines, a lot of her work on camera is like, just her face. It's yeah. close-ups. It's yeah. close. Very tight ones, a little loose ones. But like it's very up close. It's very her face. And that limited range you have as an actor, she just gives us everything. And that uh the strudel scene, dude. The strudel scene for like the moment she hears Gobble say like Landa yeah. and her face just changes. And then those little three seconds at the end, two seconds at the end, when she like just turns away, makes sure that Landa's gone. And then just like everything explodes and like three sobs because she knows she can only be afforded three sobs and then has to keep her composure again and leave the cafe. She's just amazing in this role. Yeah. Really is just a very like low key, like deceivingly difficult role. And I don't know uh, if I heard of her before this one, actually. I hadn't. I really didn't know her before. I think we can all agree though. Danielle will share her crush with uh, Diane Kruger's yeah. spy character, so, Bridget. <laughs> the funny thing was going in, because, you know, we peek behind the scenes, I guess. I don't read your notes until I've seen the movie. And then I write my notes mm-hmm. and then I 
then I will look to see if you have your notes. And we do this whole thing with notes and it's it's pretty fun. I've actually been posting them on the site, our, our sort of notes that we work off of when we're doing the show, because I think it's fun to kind of see that. And I wasn't sure who it was. I wasn't sure if it was both of these of these fantastic <laughs> characters, if it was, you know, one or the other. So, you know, I was happy either way because I genuinely I have the crush on both of them <laughs> for sure. They're both like fantastic, interesting, fun to watch characters who, you know, I mean, you know how I always wish every movie ends with both of the women running yeah. off together to an island. But, you know, I understand <laughs> we don't get all the things we want all the time, even though we know, you know, we saw with Mad Max. Sometimes it does happen. So just putting that out there, just putting it out there, you know. But uh, <laughs> in this particular case, they both die. So yeah, they both die. Most almost everybody does die in this movie. That that does happen. But uh, yeah, they both. So they both die. And I. um well, I don't I don't know if we're ready to talk about towards the end yet, because I don't I don't want to like skip around too, too much. But I did really want to hear. Um, so this character doesn't have that much agency, but when she does, she fucking goes for it. Right. She <laughs> makes the biggest play of the entire movie. Right. But by any means, like she's the one who plans this. She's the one who's able to execute it. She's the one who genuinely like has her plan come to fruition. Right. But in that. Her last scene and her last act of agency is almost like mm-hmm. human reaction or kind of when she goes to the shitty incel boy to like see if he's still alive basically is what I'm talking about. <laughs> I want to know what y'all thought of that and how you felt about that because it does feel like a weird choice for her that she wouldn't just shoot him like 20 times like from across the room. <laughs> I I will say for me kind of read like a way we'll get into the I'm sure the sort of like underlying discomfort of the movie, which is sure. kind of like the yeah. underlying discomfort of all Tarantino movies, right? Because he really explores the sort of revenge fantasy. It's really kind of like the core of his work. But yeah. um, I think in that case, it might have been a nod to her humanity. Yeah, like sure. this, you know, like she's, She's doing some, she's killing a bunch of people, okay? But yeah. they are Nazis, so can we call them people? My argument, right, right. no. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I will not feel bad for these. <laughs> like, that was masterful, though. Like, I'm just going to have this to be so violent and nobody's going to feel bad because, yep. like, who the fuck cares? <laughs> they're fucking yep. high commit. Like, they're not just Nazi, they're snob Nazis. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> An extra layer of fuck them to hell and back. The masterminds but, uh, behind the evil, you know, like it's not just oh the the person saying they were following orders. It's the person giving the orders to be the exactly. most evil exactly in the like, universe. Yeah, there's yep. really no sort of like going around that one. But um, I don't know. I don't know if that was the thing, but I think it really was a nod to like this is just this is truly a human gracious person. Yeah. And she is willing to carry out this uh, very difficult thing because, like, I would probably, as much as I admire and think she, what she did was heroic, I would probably hesitate to set a cinema full of people on fire, personally. Sure. Um, <laughs> but I th- I think, personally, could have just been that little nod to her being like, no, she is, like, a fully developed, empathetic human person uh, who is carrying out a thing you know, like motivated by, I don't know, like, I don't know if I'm making any sense, but I do feel like it was just maybe a touch of like, just 
reminding you that she really did have that inside of her. Do you agree, babe? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Remember, she's like shooting in a theater full of people still. Like, and even though like the the scene, I, I really laughed when you said like, oh, this movie really is just him shooting people. Like the movie within the, within the movie, right? Like, oh, this film is just him like in the bell tower shooting people. That's two hours of that. Okay. Yeah. Good on the that. movie that they're watching in the movie theater. Yeah. Uh, and you know, she shoots him and shoots him and like looks around, see that no one's actually hurt. It's like, oh yeah, it's stupid movies, just shot. So no one cares. And I think she just, it's like that. Like she reacts, right? Like the impulsive act of shooting him. Cause like, there's nothing else to do because this fucking insult boy just came into the projection room because no one's going to tell me no. Cause I'm the shit. You're not shit, dude, but okay. Uh, and that gives her pause, right? Like after the three shots, after seeing that she, okay, the plan isn't shot because he killed her. She killed him. He kind of breathes and she's like, I think I agree with you. She kind of is like, oh, like, okay. Like I need to check this. Like what's going on? Like there's not the, the impulse of a killer. Yeah. Which mm. gives you like her humanity, but also like gives you more pause on what she's doing, but like, because she's not a killer. Like, yeah. everything's very rational. Yeah. Not the, I think the only impulsive moment she has is when they have to convince the people, the person who does the developing of the film, the, the film she right. cuts, she splices into the movie, right? <laughs> yeah. And like, threatening with him with the axe and stuff. But like, that feels acted, right? Like, it's very on purpose, over the top, and very active for her. And I think it's exactly that, right? Like, her humanity is still there, and every action she's taking is very determined, very thought, and just very deliberate. Yeah. yeah. And what does she get in return from that dickhead? Ah, very cool death scene. She gets killed. Killed. I cannot get over it. Nikki Lauda. He plays Nikki Lauda in that Rush movie. Does Daniel Brew play someone who's not an asshole? (laughs) I kept calling Other than Goodbye Lenin? Uh, yeah. Nikki Lauda's not an asshole. Nikki Lauda was, dude, I'm a fan of Nikki Lauda. I love racing, racing is my family business. <laughs> Nikki Lauda was an asshole. He was an asshole? He was a total dick. But in the movie, he doesn't seem like a, he just seems very like. He's a dick to everyone. That's why he's alone. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Paul, our producer, agrees with the simple message total dick. Yeah, he was. <laughs> I love him. He was one of my favorite drivers. Loved him in Mercedes for the last few years, and we're debating very much with that. It would place a bunch of dicks. Okay. <laughs> I think again, I will say it's the weak lip and chins combination. I'm gonna <laughs> That's say what it. it is. That's I what it I will is. just say it. I'm sorry. It just it is the way it is. Uh, but it is something that kind of reminds me. Um, because both, uh, as we said, both the female characters in this movie die. Uh, and I was kind of like, uh, Rodrigo showed me a little uh, essay that I read this uh, morning on Film Daily called The Cost of Being a Woman in Quentin Tarantino's Universe by Daisy yeah. Webb. It came out in 2019. And it was uh, talking about exactly Uma Thurman's comments about what happened uh, while she was shooting Kill Bill, which was basically she was uh, she asked for a stunt double and Tarantino asked her to actually do the stunt herself in a car, said it was no big deal, and she ended up getting seriously injured. And like it sparked a whole lot of conversations because this really is just a complex sort of heritage of Tarantino movies, right? He has these very like empowered female characters in a way, right? They're very strong. They're badasses. They like conduct 
their missions of revenge and cool ways. And that can, yes, be very empowering, but that often it has a very strong background of pain. And Kill Bill is like more explicit because there's, you know, rape involved and it's like a more obvious sort of mechanism. And in this case, obviously it's a historic uh, scar more than anything else. Of course, uh, you know, uh, Melanie Lohan, Shoshana's characters, uh, misfortunes were brought on by a man, uh, Londa. That's what she saw. But obviously he was one piece of the evil machinery of Nazism. So it's not uh, as much as a, a man caused the, this this uh, wound that led her to revenge it's a little more complicated uh, mm-hmm. and layered than that, but still, like uh, this essay kind of argues something that is interesting. That is kind of like, okay, you are, uh, you know, putting these characters in these empowered, these female characters in these empowered places, and of course, it's it's really cool for women to have that right to to reflect on. But at the same time, it's like uh, I forget the exact quote in the article, but it's something like, oh, women can only, uh, you know, act. Or, you know, react after being hurt by the man. Right. And it's right. like, it's something to think about when we talk about these female uh, uh, character heroes. But I do think that the character of Shoshana is just particularly um, fucking cool. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and it's very, there's something about like, also that she's so young, you know, everybody always comments on how young she is and blah, blah, blah. And like, mm-hmm. they treat her in such a way, right? Like, oh, this young woman, and obviously they're pile of shit Nazis and they yeah, are the fucking worst. And like, oh, you're so young and she's, you know, blonde and she, you know, has this whole thing. And like, obviously she, she's a Jewish woman and she's survived like a horrific murder of her entire family. And she, you know, takes it upon herself to go and like, do everything she can in her life to like survive and fight and and do all these things. But there is something about that, that she's like this very slight, you know, looking, you know, small, you know, very feminine, very petite woman who's just like, you know, she has that moment with the movie that she makes where she's like, you know, look, like, look at my face. I'm the, you know, like, I forget the exact line. I don't want to like misquote it, but she says something about being like, I am like, I'm the Jewish person who is going to fucking kill you. Like there's a, like a beauty in that of her just being this like very, very slight, very, very, you know, everybody just completely looks past her and never would think that she could be a danger to the, you know, the power of these evil pieces of shit. And like, there she is like doing it in the biggest, the broadest, maybe you would say the campiest even way, but like, doing that there is something interesting about that and also i'm still working through how i feel about that ending (laughs) like i still don't know how i feel exactly about not the ending ending like i love the ending i love aldo and londa at the very end that's Mm -hmm. perfect like that is pretty perfect but that the ending with the theater i'm like i've seen i've seen arguments different ways and i'm not sure how i feel like in my gut about it like there are there's Inherently, it's wonderful that she has taken it upon herself to do this, to get rid of these fuckers, to basically end the war because you just wiped out the leadership of the worst people who have ever existed in the world. Yeah. But I have seen criticism from Jewish critics that said, like, that was so over over the top that it actually, like, seemed 
almost problematic in its own way that like that it almost makes this character feel like she's as bad obviously she's not and I don't think anybody thinks she is but like that's like the general argument right if you go that far over the top you do risk like making the wrong point I suppose and I know this is all of a piece and this is like a wildly over the top movie and like there's nothing subtle about this movie, right? Well, actually, that's not true. There are subtle moments. We've already kind of talked about some of them and how well done they were, actually. But, you know, in general, this is not a very subtle movie, right? So I do want to know how you both feel about it because I'm genuinely like I can honestly see that that argument both ways and I'm not sure where I land completely. Yeah, uh, I... Rodrigo just motioned me to move forward. That's why I'm being a <laughs> gotcha. rude host and uh, yeah. talking ahead of our guest. But uh, now he's making ugly gestures at me. Rodrigo, behave. <laughs> behave. Uh, you're in our living room. I can make your life very difficult for the rest of the day. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm yes. shooting my show today. I'm no. going to be out of here for like a few hours. <laughs> not all things happen here. Uh, but yeah, and... Uh, I have a, I've, I was kind of like you. And when I read your notes, I was, um, Rodrigo told me about this sort of like, uh, this part of like, uh, obviously I, I will reiterate to our listeners. I'm not Jewish. I don't have any Jewish heritage whatsoever. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I'm coming from a place of a person who has a very obviously different emotional attachment, uh, to the whole theme. And maybe my point of view is not particularly valid. Uh, but you know, as a person, like Rodrigo was telling me that at the time there were people uh, in the Jewish community who sort of criticized uh, that ending. And I I was actually reading um, uh, a little essay by Eli Roth's dad. Mm, yeah, um, yes. Eli really Roth, good. obviously, the, also a director, but who plays the character of the bear Jew in the movie and yeah. who ends up being uh, the one who kills Hitler. Um, yes. One of the people who kill Hitler. And then he's like... Uh, an essay talking about, you know, the, exactly kind of those feelings and how proud he particularly was at watching yeah. his son kill Hitler ha- as someone who is <laughs> Jewish and who, you know, had a, a, a personal experience uh, with the situation. But like, because he was, I don't know exactly his story, but there was some like, I'll, I'll find the link and we'll have that for you and you can read it for yourselves. But uh, he talks about sort of an interaction that he had, that he heard in the bathroom of this 14 year old kid being like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like that's how it ended. Like this goes against everything like that I was taught to believe and sort of the dad being like, no, in some cases, violence is very justifiable. Sure. And, um, you know, Eli Roth's dad, the author was talking about how these all rang true for people who came from very different perspectives into the situation, right? Um, I personally, in the year of 2022, love to see a movie that is just like, no, Nazis are unequivocally shitty and fuck them. Because who would have thunk that this would become a controversial <laughs> position. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I kind of uh, love watching that. I kind of love seeing that. And I do feel like there is uh, a, a balance to be had between 
understanding as a real person in human life that we exist in a civilized society and believing that, you know, there are mechanisms in place uh, to hold people who've done horrible things accountable in, uh, you know, in a, in a quote unquote civilized, because I don't think you can, you know, you, you, a lot of, I think a lot of the struggle of our time is like, trying to operate within a civilized framework and in the process, making uncivilized things seem civil. Uh, but, sure, sure. you know, yeah. I feel like there's a place for me as a real person in real life to understand that. And at the same time, appreciate a work of fiction that is essentially fantasy and oh, yeah. love that for what it is. You know, yeah. uh, again, me as a, as a, as a, just me personally. So like, but I also understand with something you put on your notes, Danielle, that I thought was interesting, that it's like at the same time, this is kind of giving some levity or, you know, some playfulness to a very serious thing that very much happened in real life. So yeah. I get that there's tension there and I get why people would come, uh, would would have certain criticisms and far be it from me to be like... <laughs> to a Jewish person and be like, oh no, you must love this movie. <laughs> you course, must enjoy yeah. this revenge <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of where I'm coming from it. I feel like there are layers and I too have been trying to unpack it. But I know Rodrigo also has some thoughts on this yeah, uh, that I wanted to explore. I know, just uh, <laughs> the, yeah. the quote that I was looking for, uh, I looked for it while you were uh, guys talking. Uh, it's, uh, I have a message for Germany that you're all going to die. And I want you to look deep into the face of the Jew who's going to do it. There we go. And I think it plays, you no, know, a little into what like Danielle was exposing, what you were saying about like uh, applying levity in some point to this. Uh, I do agree to with Eli Rothstad in a place uh, <laughs> yeah. of like there's a point where like fuck it, like violence is justified. And I know it's very murky, but we're talking about one of the biggest genocides or not the biggest yeah. genocide in the history of the world, right? right so right. <laughs> it, it's very different from like uh, eye for an eye for like a crime. No, this is a genocide. And I think we're talking yeah. to like, I'm not Jewish also. I'm, I'm Roman. I grew up Roman Catholic. I'm an atheist now. But like 90% of Mexico is Roman Catholic. Yeah. Uh, but I do come from a place of uh, dictatorship. Like I was in college when the dictatorship in Mexico ended. It ended in the elections of the year 2000. I was 20. I was almost 21 when the yeah. when the dictatorship here failed. Like, I'm old enough to remember, like, being pulled over to your, in your car and not knowing if you're going to get shot by that cop. Like, stuff like that, which obviously is not comparable, but, like, it does give you the sense of having lived in a, in that type of country, right? Like, wherever you can sure. put a foot wrong or you might not make it. Uh, I understand. I completely understand. I will always obviously like refer to people who know more about this, who are Jewish, who have studied this. And I completely understand where they come from. Right. Like I understand. And also because we're not that far removed. Right. Like yeah, uh, we, yeah. some people like to think that the second world war was long ago. It wasn't like everything. It wasn't that long ago. That's I think we don't process sometimes that a hundred years isn't that much. Yeah. A hundred years is a blink. Uh, I'm 42. My grandparents were born a hundred years ago. Right. Like a yeah. hundred years ago was two generations above me. It's yeah. not that far away. One of my grandparents was like almost in his twenties when the second world war started. It was yesterday. Yeah. 
And I think we should never forget that, right? Like, it's so shameful to see yeah. Yeah, the, right. the, yeah. what's happening now in the world. It's so insane to me that we're so close to it. Yeah. And it still pops off. On the other hand, if I could make a movie tomorrow and I don't have any beef against Spain, I love Spain. <laughs> I was just in Spain. <laughs> but as a Mexican, if I could shoot a movie where the Aztec Empire royally fucks up Hernan Cortez, <laughs> I would shoot it tomorrow. Uh, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, and we're so. I don't know, like, we're in such a time of, like, the false dichotomy, right? Like, we all remember with Charlottesville or whatever, I think that's when really came to a boil and not to get much heavier than we are now, but it's hard to escape that with this movie, but that we were having sort of that conversation, right? Like, oh, the Nazis, but then Antifa is just as bad. And it's like, no, it is fucking not. Are you crazy? (laughs) Like, are you insane? How are we even having this conversation where we're contextualizing Nazis? Like, I cannot. I cannot. And this was like, I feel like we're kind of moving away from that. But there really was a part, like a place of society when we were kind of like, and I think that's a a natural tendency to try to see balance in everything, right? Sure, yeah. So to me, that's, again, going back, I, that's why I kind of love this, just to be like, no, you shouldn't feel bad about these people being burned alive in a theater. <laughs> there, if it were up to them, how many people would have died, right? Like yeah. they were, these were little, people were literally killing others because they felt Superior. like they were yeah. subhuman, Yeah, you know? So it's like, how, why should we feel like, oh, this is too much? I oh, yeah. personally. Yeah. No, to be <laughs> right? clear, to be like complete, I just making sure to be completely clear, I like really like a lot of this movie's yeah. use of violence. And like the, the fact that like when Hitler is killed here, especially like there are multiple shots that are just like glorified. He just looks like a fucked up puppet being shot <laughs> and shot and shot. And it's like, that is the most beautiful Amazing. fucking. I am a hundred percent with Eli Roth's dad, like and Eli Roth, like completely, like that's Chef's kiss, beautiful for sure. I guess for me, it's the thing that I'm just like contending with is like the use of humor with this, and just not okay. know. It's yeah. one of those things where it's like I don't know if I should laugh, and I'm like looking around the room at people who know better than me about things. Like, should I laugh at that? Should I not laugh at that? Which is like a weird thing to say but like I'll just admit it right now I'm kind of like okay I'm sorting out my feelings about it but I don't think my feelings are the most important thing about this so I'm like I don't know yeah. like was this like a funny thing is this like you know there's also like a a, a pleasure and a delight and a like a you know, medicinal, I suppose you could even say, like use of humor for something like this, right? Like how do we as humans using art, using comedy, using anything that we can use, make sense of one of the worst things that's ever happened in the history of the world, right? And like, I'm not trying to say, oh, you can't use humor. It's more like, I I don't, I just legit don't know. (laughs) Like, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about it because of that, because it's like, is it, is it fine to make light of this? Like, I, you know, like, I sure laughed a lot when Hitler got shot. That was pretty fucking funny. Like, I'm just sitting there, like, (laughs) almost like I'm tallying it up, you know? Like, I'm doing the math. Like, is this funny? Is this funny? You know what I'm saying? Like, 
and this is a messy thing to contend with, right? It's like a messy yeah. thing to even think about like, oh, so why did I think that part was funny, but like other things might not have been as funny to me, you know what I mean? Yeah. Even in the context of this movie. So yeah, again, not passing any kind of judgment, more like genuinely trying to figure out where I land on various things, but like a thousand percent kill all the Nazis. Like, kill them. Fucking kill them. Oh, they the, should the all die. The only good Nazis they are bad Nazis. Like, I agree. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But we also evolve, right? Like, because I remember when I watched this in the theater, I was like 28 or something, I wanted to jump in the seat and just flip the finger to the screen and laugh. Like, it was, <laughs> fuck yeah, die, all you Nazi pieces of shit. Yeah. But I think, like, what you're saying, Daniel, is, like, the way to go. Like, we don't have to have an answer now. Yeah, exactly. of course. But of the course. fact that we're actually thinking about it and yeah. reflecting about it and like giving people who know more of this uh, than us uh, the space <laughs> to do this, that's the way to go, right? Like, okay, like sure. I like it. I laughed, but I'm going to have my self-reflection about it. And you know what? I'm going to reach out to someone who knows more than me and like give them the space and like listen to actually what they're what their thoughts are on this. Yeah. Yeah. It's why I was having the same things yesterday, even as I was like, oh my God, like how are we even going to talk about this? Like, sure, should yeah. I even have opinions about this? See, now you, we should have picked Rust and Bone. You didn't want to watch Rust and Bone. Rust and Bone is sad as shit, babe. We're going to be, all of us will be That was the double crush, by the way, <laughs> Rust and Bone. Watch the movie. The movie's amazing. Both characters, Ali and Stefan, <laughs> I love both of them. I'm I love obsessed both with my uncle. Yeah, Rust and Bone. For those who don't know, it's just the, it's very sad, and it's like the story of a uh, whale trainer, like an orca trainer, uh, who gets uh, has an accident involving whales, and it goes from there. Like that's the beginning <laughs> of the movie. It's so good, though. It's, it it's really good, but it's really okay. sad. Uh, it would have brought the mood down. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I was uh, contending with those same things, Danielle, as you yesterday, like watching this and I'm like, okay, how are we going to have these like discussions even, you know, how can I say things in a way that isn't insensitive? And I don't say this in a, oh my God, you can't say anything anymore. (laughs) Imagine that would be the interesting plot twist. I'm actually uh, very upset by uh, cancel culture and... This is what this podcast gotta be about. No, that's oh not my how God. it's happening. The, I love- the biggest <laughs> heel turn, honestly, Fernando. Be- oh my God. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, no, I, I like that we're having as a culture, as a society, like these thoughts uh while we're watching things, right? Consuming things that this movie is not old. No, it's not. It's that's from the 2009. Thing. <laughs> like- it does it just feels old because we've been through just as a world been through so much in the last 13 right. years that it's like exactly. oh this wasn't that that long ago but still it feels like it's from 45 years ago <laughs> yeah like for yeah. me i think the avenue is kind of what i end up doing is kind of doing this like separating my real world self which by the way yeah, still yeah. thinks all nazis should like fucking die but, 100%, uh, 100%, yeah. but i say that in a more civilized way uh, from my like movie watcher self who understands things as a work of fiction and this really as a uh as a revenge fantasy which it is and a very fun one uh i've established uh on this show that 
movies that last more than two hours have no business oh. existing on the planet. <laughs> like, why? Why? I felt bad loving that Saturday Night Live skit about short <laughs> movies with Pete Davidson. I was like, it's it's 2022 and I'm here feeling personally identified with the Saturday Night Live <laughs> sketch with Pete Davidson. Happens uh, to all of us at a certain age, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, this is like a two hour and a half thing that really just uh, flies by, honestly. I think it yeah. flies by because the first scene is like 20 minutes, right? Yeah. Like it's very long and it has you on the edge of your seat. It's placed perfectly in the in the movie everyone it's uh, it's just shot beautifully i think i really do think it's the best thing tarantino's ever done like it's just shot beautifully the dialogue is beautiful uh he knows how like go into stuff presents land immediately gives you the plight of the farmer because you're like you want to hate on the farmer right because he gives them up but like you really can't and then ends in such dramatic fashion right with shoshana just bolting and with him with the gun like is he gonna shoot or not and then the rest of the movie is like, I don't know, like two hours and change. Yeah. yeah. So like it goes really, 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 really quick. Yeah. And I actually really love like that scene, especially. I agree. It is, I think, Tarantino's best work. It's so, so engaging and like basically panic inducing, like the whole oh. the whole thing. Yeah. There's multiple scenes that are that, you know, kind of echo it. Like every slower scene or every scene where you know, we're staying on like really like long shots and we're cutting into these like uncomfortable close-ups. Like the bar scene, I actually loved. And I and I really, really enjoyed um like that and um also, you know, we already mentioned the strudel scene, but that echoes of that as well, where it's like there's just so much tension and it just rockets up and rockets up and rockets up and like any wrong move and everybody's dead kind of thing or one wrong move and it's worse than that worse than death kind of might happen and it's like we're playing with all these stupid niceties of life and trying to fit in with certain things Mm -hmm. and trying to hide certain things everybody in these scenes is trying to hide something like good people are trying to hide something right that's kind of the general idea is like good people who are decent human beings who are trying to survive and who are trying to you know face up against the worst thing that's ever happened in the world you know at least in modern history yeah are faced with having to pretend to be something just to keep breathing. And that's happening in all of these scenes, right? And it's even happening in that bar scene, which is, again, it's like so funny at first and so wacky with the drunk soldier who had the baby and all this kind of wacky kind of goofy shit is happening. But at any second, any wrong move. And it's very, very, very tense. Like, it feels like the movie is shorter than it is because there's so much tension and then it, it hits you with violence and then it hits you with humor. Like you're, yeah. you're constantly being kind of walloped by any of those things at any moment, but you don't know when mm-hmm. they're going to hit. Like you don't know when the funny things will hit and you don't know when the violence will hit. And oftentimes they're the same thing because the inglorious bastards are kill people in very funny ways, right? That's like a lot of what they do is like a, a you know, a punctuation will be like, oh, kill the Nazi like that or oh, kill the yeah. Nazi like that, you know, kind of thing, which is and it's part really of the well done. Of the movie. Yeah, right? Like, that's part of the tension, too, that the funniest people, the ones that you laugh the most to about when they're on screen, uh, are the people who, like, protagonize sort of the more graphic beating of scenes. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. I'm so confused (laughs) about, like, there's a skull being splattered here, I feel like, as a person. (laughs) 
I shouldn't be. And he's making like Red Sox jokes the whole time. Like it's just like, wow, Teddy Baseball. Okay. Uh, I, and it's one thing like, it's interesting. Um, Rodrigo also shared a link that I shared with you on the chat today. That was absolutely uh, hilarious that it's a, parody little assay uh, <laughs> oh, uh, oh, yeah. that I feel like a lot of uh, women uh, who date men and maybe some men who date men, but this seems like more of a cis heterosexual men type of thing uh, <laughs> yes. can relate to called yes. an oral history of Quentin Tarantino as told to me by men I've dated by Ellie Elkin. <laughs> and uh, because of <laughs> that, Yep. I feel like, and I I talked a little about my sort of arch uh, with uh, with Tarantino movies <laughs> and how like I went from being having my very like oh my god this man is a genius face to like oh no 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 if I have another yep. man tell me his favorite director is Tarantino I'll I'll die uh, so I yes. <laughs> the stages of grief the stages of Tarantino <laughs> Tarantino is not my favorite director no. I, I know it's. Isn't it Paul Thomas Anderson? I don't know if I have one. Okay. Let's, we'll, we'll get into that. But it's not him, it's okay. so don't worry. Yeah, but, uh, okay. <laughs> well, the Danielle is like our couples therapist. It's it's valid to have Paul Thomas Anderson as your favorite director. Oh, you director, hate him so okay? much, but that's another thing. Fernanda, please respect <laughs> your husband when he says, okay. I but- <laughs> love this. I honestly love this. I'm like, listen, there's a gospel. It's called Cronenberg. And, you know, we're all. Oh, I love Cronenberg. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. all this to say that like when I, I kind of saw the movie for the first time, I was in my sort of like downward. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and rewatching it now, like I can really appreciate for all the Tarantino-ness of it. Right. Because yeah. there's a lot of the stuff that it's really like just part of his work. And that is. I say pretentious in the sense of it is somebody being kind of like show offy, like look at the shit I can do, and yeah. this is me being me, and look how witty and quirky I am with my filmmaking. It's like, but I can now appreciate this movie watching it kind of like with a a blank uh, mind. I thought that I just think it's just such a perfectly paced and put together movie. Yeah, the longer scenes, which I won't get the that we we've already discussed, but the way that they weave into this parts of just like incredible violence, you know, to like these comic relief, to you know, just the, these the the way that it ebbs and flows, it's so weird. Because it's not how you would conventionally maybe put things together in your mind. Mm. The pauses are inserted in moments you weren't necessarily expecting them to be. Like, it all works in a very, like, it it just really attests to, like, just artistry in directing. Like, just mastering a kind of, um, the rhythm of a thing. Because, and so I was, and again, as somebody who hates long movies and who really feels long movies, I didn't feel it. It just, I ended up like, like, oh, do you know? It's like, we finished. I was like, God damn, that's a good movie. <laughs> like, yeah. I have so many feelings. I'm very conflicted. I have no idea how this show is going to go. But I know, like, I fully enjoyed myself 
throughout all this. Uh, but it's not just the the directing. And that's kind of what I wanted to ask you, uh, yeah. babe, because you did put it on your notes. And it's something you remarked to me uh, yesterday that the uh, movie was edited by Sally Menke. Yep. Uh, mm. before she died, right? And it was the last one. Yeah, and I think it's two things. Because you were talking about like the cool Tarantino things, which she obviously like starts with in Reservoir Dogs and they just ramp up and go insane on Kill Bill, Kill Bill Volume 1. Like, yeah. Where it's like, cool, cool moment one, cool moment two, cool moment three, cool moment <laughs> yeah. four. And I like Kill Bill 1. Okay, I, I like it. it. And I, yeah. I cut yeah. class to go see the first show in college. <laughs> nice. But uh, I think he gets it under control here. Yeah. Like, even though it's impregnated with the Tarantino as, uh, it's not that, right? Like, it's not, I'm going to have two characters here talking about the Royal with cheese. Uh, we're right. not going to have the game. <laughs> we're not have the Zets that baby looking at the camera. Or like, it, he gets, he keeps it under control, right? And he obviously has his moments, but like, most of it's done to serve the story and serve the movie. And he has very long and very short scenes. Like, my favorite short scene is, uh, uh, when uh, Dan Kruger dies, like it's just a very simple movie. They yeah. go, uh, they go into the room. He just like starts on a two shot, then on a single shots, and touches the camera. And the moment he mm-hmm. touches the camera with extreme close up, you know they're fucked. Mm-hmm. Like when three yep. shots, he tells you they're fucking. She's gonna die. And it's yep. a I don't know like a three minute scene. And Sally Mankey, dude, God bless her. I knew who she was like very early on because I, I I've been working in producing in produ- I, I've done production work for like twenty years. My first job was being an editor. And for the longest, I still edit stuff for TV now, for like my own show and stuff. And uh, I always nice. loved her work because I, I can't even imagine the pain of working with someone like that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> for real. He shoots only in film. Like it's 2009, he's still shooting in film. Like I can't imagine the amount of reels that Sally Menke has to go through oh to God. like start putting some coherent thoughts into the movie. And I think Tarantino was really aware of too. Cause like he was always complimentary of her, always told like, she's n- n- not as an asshole. Cause he can also be an asshole a bunch of times, but like, sure, sure. In the filmmaking production where director is King, especially in that India tour or era of the era, mid nineties, early odds, uh, Sally Menke was really his equal. Like if Sally said something, yeah. input something like that was as an equal. And it was, it wasn't even a suggestion. It was like, this works, Quentin, shut up. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> she was an amazing editor. Like those films, like Jackie Brown is like one of my favorite films ever. Just edited wonderfully. This is edited wonderfully. Uh, she passed away a little after yeah. that, I think. Just like a, a, a terrible, hiking, it was a right? mishap. It was a mishap. It was a very hot day in LA. And apparently oh, okay. she was hiking with someone. The other person felt queasy, went back. And apparently Sally Menke got lost and died from heat stroke. Like it's just a terrible way. Oh, I think no. it was 45 degrees yeah. Celsius something that day. Like it was just awful. Oh, it was Jesus. a very big loss. Yeah. And her hand like shows in the movie. This is a movie that can go haywire and it can go insane. And yeah. the things we love about this movie can really go or I've, there's not someone who can control them. And if you want to see like uh, cool little gadgets and winks and nods uh, throughout his career, Tarantino always tasked the stars to like say hi to Sally on film. Like, Literally, like at the beginning of the end of the take, they would turn to the camera and say, hi, Sally. And you can see those little videos like Easter eggs and some DVDs, or you can go on YouTube and see a bunch of them. And they're like, just like really quirky and fun. There's one from uh, Dead Proof. I forget the name of the the New Zealand actress who's also a stuntman. She was the stunt for the bride. She oh, plays yeah, a character yeah, yeah. in Dead Proof. And there's one where she's like hanging off the front of a car with like no harnesses. And just turns to the camera and so say hi, Sally, <laughs> with the car movie. Like it's insane. It's insane. They're just really fun and cute. And now they're like a little bit tragic, obviously. 
Oh, I wish my name was Sally yeah. so I could feel like it was all for me. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, yeah. Uh, but rip uh, Honestly. Sally Mankey. I love, I love that you're a nerd, babe, for I'm bringing sorry. this nerd information <laughs> to us. No, I'm thanking you. This is great. This is little intervention. Any any love for editors makes me happy. That's what I studied in, <laughs> in grad school is learning to be a, a film editor, video editor. So like any love for that, I'm like, this is this is beautiful. And yeah, it shows really, really nicely here. And that pacing and the way the pacing is dictated, super shows. I just want to throw that. I know we probably have to go relatively soon. I didn't write this in my yeah. notes, but I did want to just throw the tiniest shout out. To the, I think one of the weirdest scenes in the movie, but I loved it. And it's when Archie, when, you know, Captain Archie gets his assignment from fucking Mike Myers. And like, it's just, it's so like off kilter and funny. And it's like, oh, you're going to be a super spy, but you're also a film critic. It's one of those where it's like, yeah, this is such a Tarantinoism, but like, for some reason, the weirdness of it, where it shows up in the movie, like just what is going on with it it's like a rich text in itself like this happening is is kind of one of those fun things that actually really does work for me so i mean honestly this as much as i love death proof this this is kind of up there for me and again i don't i don't always love him as a director i like a lot of the things that he does and i like a lot of the things that he likes is is one of those things like i love weird genres and I like weird genre mashups and I like playing with style and I like doing the retro stuff and the remix stuff but yeah I'm just like even just sitting here thinking about this movie I'm like it really made me feel a whole lot of things made me feel so many different emotions (laughs) at different times and that whiplash factor is part of it (laughs) right oh you want to know a little trivia that would like change a bunch of the movie now that Daniel brought that scene up yeah, Mike Myers asked for a uh, part in the film because his parents like were involved in the in the war force. His oh, parents okay. are British. Oh, his parents are British. Right. That's why he like did uh, Austin Powers. It was like a send up to his parents. Uh, oh, the, oh, so he, uh, it wasn't offensive that that's how he played British. No, no, no. His parents, no, his parents are British, are, uh, so no. he's a liar. It can still be offensive. <laughs> okay. It can still yeah, be offensive. There's but, no uh, being offensive to the British. Uh, uh, they <laughs> kind of killed a lot of people. They're and very stole a bunch of shit. So love them. I love you, my British friends. But yeah. Uh, the Michael Fassbender role was supposed to be Simon Pegg. Oh, oh my God. Shaun of the Dead, Simon Pegg. It was supposed to be him. And they couldn't line up the schedules because of that weird-ass Peter Jackson, Steven Spielberg, Teen Teen movie. And he oh couldn't do it. And God, he ended up being yeah. Michael Fassbender who got auditioned uh, for Landa. I wonder how he oh feels about that now. Simon Pegg? Yeah. He hasn't been in a Tarantino movie, so I guess he's like, ah, oh, God damn it, I would have... <laughs> Done this. Like, I would have no crushed it. I don't know. I've never seen it. Maybe it's good. Yeah. Uh, and I love Simon Pegg. I, who doesn't? I feel like if you if somebody comes up to you and says, ah, I dislike Simon Pegg, I'm going to be like, yeah, something. Why? You're wrong. Explain. Show your work. <laughs> Show like, your work. What is happening? Here? Show your work. <laughs> uh, I feel like we are good to. I'll just mention quickly the uh, Eli Ross dad. The, uh, his name is Sheldon Roth. And the name of his essay is My Son Killed Adolf Hitler, if you guys want to look it up. Published on the Jewish uh, Journal. I came through it on a, it was a salon um, little essay uh, about the movie. So that's how I got the link to it. In case you guys were interesting, really short. Uh, But I think that kind of uh, settles it for us. In terms of discussion, I feel like we're ready to, uh, to move on into our final Third and final segment, 
Yeah. Just little wink to Mexico. I'll end it with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one Hugo Stiglitz. Oh, uh, that's Played by right. Till Schweiger. Oh. Uh, Hugo oh, Stiglitz yeah. is a Mexican actor. So like when Inglourious Bastards came out in Mexico, people were like, what? Like this has to be like, <laughs> why? Like, is this a mistake? And then no, no, it's a purpose. Like Hugo Stiglitz, who's still alive, he's 80 something now. He did a thousand exploitation and horror films in Mexico and oh some in the God. U.S. Some of which Tarantino watched. And Tarantino, you does sure. this a lot. Like Daniel mm-hmm. can see it. And you can see like does it a lot. Yeah. Like names a bunch of characters for directors, like uh, the director and the um, Marquise and stuff like that. So that's yeah. where he got the Wuschtiglitz name. He did a lot of like direct-to-video uh, movies and stuff in Mexico. He's still alive. So a uh, little nut to Mexico and Inglourious Bastards. That's amazing. You did it's mention really it, good. but when you first said, oh, the Hugo Stiglitz thing, I thought you meant the actor. No, no. And I was like, that uh, very German-looking actor is Mexican? Till Schweiger, <laughs> who did a very crappy racing movie with Sylvester Stallone called Driven. Don't you ever say it in the Sylvester Stallone script. That's crappy okay? shit. It's just not appreciated it's a in the proper. Movie. You just didn't pair it with the right thing. But I like, like Till Schweiger because he to... portrayed Hugo Stiglitz. So God bless him. <laughs> uh, so that's an interesting little curiosity. My nerd nerd husband. Thank you, Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. With all that, I feel like we have all the information that we need in order to move on into our third and final segment of the show, one which we like to call Shelf Life. So here we are, Shelf Life, the final segment of our show, the part where we decide where this movie belongs in our delightful neighborhood video store. If it's a bona fide staff pick, if it should be displayed proudly among our very, very uh, slim uh, choices that include <laughs> ranging everywhere from hustlers to the core to only lovers left alive. A very, very diverse uh, <laughs> litter group up there in our Olympus. Uh, if it's going to be in our middle aisle full of just totally cool movies. Middle aisle movies are fine. Yeah, Sometimes, no, you know, like, it's Sunday afternoon. Is great. It's just maybe not a favorite. You know, it's one of those too. Exactly. You know, so, yeah. Exactly. No shame. Strip tease. Amazing. Just not. No shame. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no shame. No shame in our middle aisle. Okay. Or and yes, there is shame yeah. <laughs> in this next yeah. one. The dumpster. The dumpster where 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 Wild Wild West yeah. to this day <laughs> hangs out. <laughs> By itself. Still the only one. There were some close calls. We had some close calls. I feel like you guys calls. need to watch like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Just something like that. Well, still Just you can gonna, add it in the bottom shelf. You've seen Danielle and I. We're too nice. We yeah. we try to find redeeming qualities in everything. Uh, Paul is suggesting Dumpster Month. And honestly, oh, I'm in. Like I'm just in. testing Danielle and I. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Like, uh, honestly, if we watch a Lord of the Rings, I'll probably land it in the dump. <laughs> the kidding. Hobbit. Hobbit's not. worse. Hobbit's worse. <laughs> but also, I have a feeling we're not going to be giving uh, poor, poor Wild Wild West, poor Will Smith, uh, some company <laughs> in the dumpster today. I don't feel yeah, like this is, I don't think so. I don't think it's on that. the block. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll start with our guest. Uh, that's the polite thing to do. Guest, husband, boo-boo, 
<laughs> How are you placing Inglorious Best? But I don't work here. Like that's just oh staff picks. I don't but work you're here. the husband it's of one of the owners. Store. You guys, not no, me. you take over when we're like going out for like margaritas and oh, I don't know. We don't. I don't even. This know. is a staff oh, a good, pick, obviously. I haven't. Movie. I hadn't watched it in a while. Uh, now, now I need to rewatch Jackie Brown and Death Proof, which, which were my favorite uh, Tarantino yeah. movies, because I think some things might change. I remember this was good. Didn't remember it was this good. So it's a staff pick uh, for absolutely. you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, good. okay. We have three. So I feel like two votes for one category. That's where it goes. Yeah. Danielle, yeah. what's your verdict? I think it also deserves a staff pick. Like, again, okay. I, I certainly have some complications with how I feel about certain things about the movie, mm -hmm. for sure. But for me, that doesn't keep something from being that level or that level yeah. of like... There are scenes in this movie that are like, I could watch endlessly and just keep watching and like learn something new about every time. And there's also like the fact that even if I have some complications about the way certain things are done, I still like what this movie is saying, which is fucking kill all the Nazis. So like staff pick, <laughs> high five, slap it on there. You can give my seal of approval, like you get a sticker. <laughs> Love it. Uh, hey, yeah, someone who also is a, Big supporter of the kill all the Nazis uh, yeah. message. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I will. <laughs> I don't have many philosophies in this life. Uh, I think it's a good this, one to have. That's a good mm -hmm. one, you know. <laughs> as far as <laughs> uncontroversial uh, philosophies go, like that, that's that should be one that we all really subscribe to. But yeah, yeah. I'm with you there. No, no, no controversy here among our picks. I will also. I was not expecting it uh, when we went into it yesterday. I was kind of expecting it to be a middle aisle. Uh, sure. But after finishing the movie, I gotta say, also a staff pick for me. Beautiful. Beautiful day for us all. Yeah. Beautiful day in the neighborhood, whatever it is. That <laughs> the guy who, like the kids, said. Mr. Rogers? Not in a weird way. Mr. Mr. Rogers. Yeah, not in that, a weird way. <laughs> very that. Tried watching that documentary. I saw there were a lot of kids involved and it bored me, so I stopped. <laughs> Um, I get it. I get it. Let's yeah. put that in our dumpster month. <laughs> so you I heard it here first from Fernanda. Kill all the Nazis, but children can go in the dumpster. <laughs> I mean, there's a place for Fuck everyone. Kids. If you watched Insecure, this makes more sense. It seems less evil. It's more of a joke. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just giving you shit. But, I'm uh, just giving you shit. Yeah. yeah, well, let's get me canceled some other time. <laughs> for today <laughs> I think that is pretty much it that is all for this week I want to thank you my beautiful lovely guest my crush my forever crush Aww. my Aww. law law Aww. mandated I don't know that's a it's very not a mandate you law mandated <laughs> It's not like I'm keeping your passport but papers, we have papers say you're my crush uh, so I can my. also be taken care of quickly. You're here by your own will. <laughs> Important. Blink you. twice if you for a second there. You're not no, scared, but okay. No, my my uh, very voluntary crush, whom thank I love, you. Rodrigo. Thank, thank you. you for being here. Where can people find you on the interwebs, babe? Uh, thank you for the invite, everyone. Daniel, Paul, and and obviously. Oh my god! Google. Of course. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rob Del Campo, R O D D E L C A M P O. Same thing on Instagram. And if you're in the U.S., because you can't watch my work from Clara Sports in, in the U.S., but like in your Latin America, Clara Sports, uh, most weeks. And if you're in the U.S., uh, you can actually watch me doing play-by-play -play MMA. Next show, May 20th, 
Naciones MMA from Mexicali, Baja California on Estrella TV. If you don't have it in your uh, TV, you can watch it online for free. A renaissance Hell man. Yeah. Hell yeah. You can't talk so good movies. at so many things, you know? It's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, an talk MMA it's an illusion. It's an illusion, but thank you. Sound engineer things. Amazing. <laughs> Beautiful. Multi, multitasking, multifaceted king. We love to see it. Well, after uh, last week, we know that we like to see multifaceted people, right? We, yes. we, we talked about <laughs> that being attractive I mean, and only lovers left alive. So, like, I welcome. can play the guitar too. So, there's that. Oh, see? Oh, oh look, yeah. at you. look at you. Just hell showing yeah. off. Now we're gonna, I'm gonna have people eyeing my mans on the oh, internet. No. Sure. Sure, uh, that's what's gonna happen. Yes. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I also want to thank you, of course. My wonderful co-host, Danielle, for joining me as well. Thank you. Uh, I will thank also, of course, our wonderful producer, Paul Seyavidersen, to your Nazi balls, Tamayo, uh, for, and I couldn't help but hear the Avidersen and uh, Heidi Klum's voice in my oh, head. Oh, that was so, so good. <laughs> uh, for all the help in making this show not only not suck, but also, in my humble opinion, also kind of rule. We do hope you come back to our friendly neighborhood video store next week when we will cap off Spring Fling Month. As a reminder, this month is about choosing movies with characters that we want to ask to a dance or write their names on our little notebooks with little hearts on it <laughs> or make little mixtapes for. Who knows? <laughs> Uh, and next week, we will actually be doing Paul, a wonderful producer's pick, and having him on the show, which is always cool. So please stay tuned for that. If you do like our work and you want to show some support for it, you can do so by rating and reviewing our show on Apple Podcasts or rating us on Spotify so we can hopefully get on more listeners' raters because these VHS rewinders break all the time. And I got to say... They're not cheap. You can check out all of our other podcasts over at fanbyte.com slash podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at fanbyte media. You can follow me on Twitter at Nanda Prates underscore. That's N-A-N-D-A-P-R-A-T-S or on Instagram at Nanda Prates without the underscore. You can follow Danielle at Danielle or I on Twitter. You can follow Paul at Pauly Mayo. You can follow us on TikTok on at Fanbyte. And of course, you can follow us on fanbyte.com. We will see you all here again at our video store next week. And until then, you'll love to see it.